Week in Geek number 24. Recorded live deep within your lizard brain. So are you saying that all of our listeners are lizards? That might be what I'm saying. Or they're people with brains of lizards. No, so once way, once upon a time I was watching a very educational show about strippers and some guy made a reference to how like watching strippers engages your lizard brain, which is not the part of your mind that enjoys fine literature and opera. Excellent. On that note, uh, to my fellow lizard brain holder, this is Craig, one of your hosts of Tweaking Geek. And this is Pat, also one of your hosts, until Craig fires me for opening the show with a discussion of strippers. No, I think that you might actually get a promotion for that. Woohoo! But we can't talk about strippers, because this is our special listener extravaganza. Is this, is this really an extravaganza? Hmm, I don't know. Uh I'm not. Ex- it might be just a happening, or like uh, let's at least uh, move it up to event. It's a listener event, or a shindig. Ooh, how about a? It could be a shind. It's a cotillion. Uh, oh <laughs> wow! That what? Are you coming out? Uh oh! Oh, I, you 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 okay. shut me down there. No, so, not uh, anymore. So what, <laughs> what makes this? <laughs> so what makes this an extravaganza? Of listeners. Well, we, we, as you know, put out a, a request or a plea, uh, a plea to our listeners oh so many weeks ago to give us some ideas of what they want to hear about on Tweaking Geek. And we said we would do a show completely dedicated to what they said. And we had some pretty good input. And we've spent the past two or three weeks tirelessly round the clock researching every every little thing that these people asked about. And by that, you mean when you can pull yourself away from the Wii for three seconds? <laughs> I can never pull myself away from the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> so I have sad news. Speaking of Wii and like music games, yes. my, my bass drum pedal died for Rock Band. Uh, so I really have been researching. Oh, wow. Well, I'm... Uh, yeah, I, well, I have actually not played much Wii lately, so uh, uh, I've been too busy curing cancer. All right, so let's let's get to it. What's our first What? You don't like my ca- my cancer cure? I don't believe okay. you. Okay. Not for a minute. All right, so our first our first guest that who is virtually here is D. A D D A D. What's up? What's up, D? So wow. D has a question for us. All right, what, what is D's question? That's a good question, actually. All right, so I, I, I know his question. That was like a leading question for you. Good job blowing Sorry. it. Uh, so uh, D wanted to know what we thought about Windows 7 and especially about their starter edition of Windows 7. Aha. Which is, uh, it's a lot like the starter edition of, well, XP and I think Vista in that it only lets you uh, run three applications at once. Aha. But, so that sounds awful, but I don't think it's for us. That's for like countries where they're just as likely to steal Windows as they are to buy it. So they're like, well, whatever. If we can get a few bucks from you, great. Yeah, it, and my thought is that the the, the starter edition with the uh, with the you know which ha- which can run up to three applications at a time, which is totally bogus. But if you only have access to that legitimately, I think you would probably want to steal a more full-featured version of Windows. 
Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I can't even start Windows with only three applications. Exactly. So this is one of the things that they've said. All right, so let me just talk a little bit about uh, Windows. And one of the things that everyone complained about Vista is that there was too many SKUs, or you know, a SKU being like a version. You know, they because Vista had Ultimate, Enterprise, you know, Professional, Home Premium, Home Basic. I think it had Starter. Then there's like N for the U, that sort of thing. So there was everyone said, "Oh, Vista's terrible because there's way too many choices." And Microsoft says, "Aha! So what we're going to do is we're going to make the selection much simpler." So then we're only going to release, well, at least six SKUs, Starter, Home Basic, Home Premium, Professional, Enterprise, and Ultimate. And, uh, you know, N, which is that uh, I think it doesn't have one. It doesn't have Windows Media Player or Internet Explorer or something. I don't know. But okay. for it's an antitrust thing in Europe. So the, the fact of the matter is, is that they basically just redid the whole thing. And everyone, you know, you'll, there are a lot of, you might call them pundits out there who insist that the failure of Vista is that there's too many choices, which I think is not true. I mean, I don't think so either. I mean, I have, I have Vista Ultimate, yeah. and to be honest, I've never used any of the Ultimate features. Yeah. It, uh, um, but I, I, I probably would have if I'd stayed working in .NET development, though. Yeah, I mean, I have Vista Ultimate also, and really, the only, you know, Home Premium, the difference between Home Premium and Ultimate, and I'm assuming that would be uh, the same in Windows 7, is that uh, Ultimate basically has you know, some of the more kind of server-like features, you know, uh, you know, uh, I can't even think, uh, like uh, remote desktop access, that sort of thing. So, all right, so what we're talking about here, so Ultimate and Home Premium is kind just those two are kind of the equivalent of XP Home and XP Professional that we had. And that was pretty much a, a no-brainer for people. Now, with Basic, or uh, excuse me, with Windows 7, and this new starter edition with the you know the three program thing, one of the markets that they're saying that they might use it on is this thing called netbooks, which it used to be like ultra mobile PCs. Who knows? It's basically a little laptop, you know, a little low powered laptop that you can kind of carry around with you. And netbooks are a gigantic growth market right now. They really are. I mean, I know people who drop thousands of dollars on a computer without thinking about it, and they're still all about these low-priced, ultra-portable machines because if you're really traveling with it, you know, it's kind of nice to have a 12-inch laptop that can surf the web just fine. Right. And uh, it, an interesting uh, kind of aside is that uh, someone actually uh, copyrighted the term netbook or trademarked it or something a while back, so you won't see netbook actually used commercially anywhere it's more actually you you might because today intel filed a countersuit saying it's too too late and it's a generic term oh it's like nope well so we'll we'll have to see how that yeah that's breaking news i sorry i forgot all no about that's that. that's very interesting oh, yeah no that's that's cool uh but well so that was you know but until that suit the future is uncertain the future is uncertain the future is not yet written well that's good but i mean either way i think netbook to be honest i think that's kind of a stupid term anyway you know it's like any of these things where you know you know the netbook uh they had i don't even know they had uh, web tv you know anything where they you just like throw net with something and it just all of a sudden it's like a new thing where this is just an ultra portable pc so i don't know i think netbook's kind of catching on I think that people like the term. I mean, it's 
it's not ambiguous. It's like netbook. Oh, it's a small notebook. I suppose one letter shorter. Yeah, I, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm jaded that I think that's an abuse of like you know. Oh, you, we just yeah. You just you just wanted to talk about your ultra portable notebook. That's right. I you know. Oh, I have a a, a net car now. Uh, and, you know, I, hold on, I got to go to the web bathroom. Yeah, wait, but the cars you're talking about, smart cars. See, they they got way ahead of us there in the name. I, I'm changing the name. It's now an iCar. Do you have any smart cars in Maine? They have them out here in California. You know, it's funny. It, it is, you know, uh, it, late February right here, so it's still winter, and I just drove by a smart car today. It. it it's kind of out of place when you remember Maine. Pretty much everybody in Maine has uh, SUVs or pickups, and there's this little itty bitty smart car driving around. It's just kind of funny. But it'd be great because you could park it under someone's SUV. That is true, and you you know it would help with the parking issue in town here. There's not really a parking issue, but I don't know. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> Right, so uh, did too many SKUs kill Vista? No, Vista sucking killed them. Uh, well, I would... No, I, I, I... Vista not adding any compelling new features that actually made it worthwhile to upgrade to. Poor marketing killed Vista. And, no. And, 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 five year, and being five years late killed Vista. Yeah. So I don't hate Vista... I mean, I'm I'm a little annoyed that my laptop with one gig of RAM doesn't run very well unless I turn off Arrow. But that's really minor. Um, it's just that when I looked at them, like, there's no reason I would upgrade from XP to Vista. Like, if I were getting a new machine, I'd definitely get Vista. But uh, and that's what I did, and it, it works fine. It, it's you know, and anybody who wants to hear our real opinions on Vista should go listen to Tweaking Geek number one. Which where we have an in-depth talk about Vista because Vista had just you know been was reasonably new then, but yeah, we were wrong though because we predicted success and we, it definitely didn't succeed. Yeah, I think it's succeeding more than people will admit, but it's just not catching on, which makes me kind of wonder about this whole uh, Windows Seven thing. It took them literally you know seven years to develop Vista, and it took them like three years to develop Windows Seven. So. Well, I think Windows 7 was kind of a must-have, right? They were like, wow, Vista is failing. Let's get a successful Windows product out. I heard uh, a podcast today where someone was saying, we probably really should be calling Windows 7 Windows Vista Service Pack 2 because it's really... It's like Vista SE. Yeah, exactly. There's not going to be a whole lot of thing. And Vista is a fine operating system and... You know, it's just it's it is a little bloated. Windows Seven is going to clean that up. Now, as you know, we're kind of off the topic here of uh, Derek, or excuse me, D's. Uh, oh no, you blew D's cover. Secret. I'm sorry, D. Uh, what's up, D? Uh, D, whose name is absolutely not Derek. <laughs> uh, you know, to go back to to D's thing, the, in terms of. Uh, putting Windows 7 Starter Edition on these netbooks, one of the things that is uh, kind of an option here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but is that some people are saying, well, you can put this version of Windows 7, this lightweight version of Windows 7, running on your netbook that can only run three programs at a time, or you can put a version of Linux. And that is kind of having mixed reviews for reasons that we'll talk about later. But So my personal opinion in response to the question D is that uh, 
I'm a little mixed on it. I think Windows 7 starters edi- a starter edition, probably they're only letting you run three at a time because it, it would if you ran more than that, it would probably show how woefully like big and bloated Windows 7 was for running on a netbook. And uh, I don't really have any opinion about it because I don't live in an emerging market and I have at least eight SysTray apps alone starting my machine up, so it just wouldn't work for me. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Now, if, if I mean, if you think about it, what are you going to do? You're going to surf the web, you're going to check your email, and probably listen to music or something on the netbook. So if you do those three things and you can't do anything else, or, you know, you can't write a Word document, work on your spreadsheet, surf the web, and check your email, because that's four. You can if you do them all in... Firefox and use Google Docs, Ooh. which is a great segue to uh, our next question. Our next question comes... Which is... Oh, well, ahead. I was going to say, it comes from Shades of Grey, one of our very loyal and devoted listeners and commenters. Actually, did, didn't he have a whole bunch of questions for he us? Had, he had a lot of great questions, or it was more great suggestions. Right. Not, there weren't actually any many questions there, but they were great suggestions, so... All right, so Shade suggested uh, that we talk about some of our f- favorite uh, open source applications. Yes. So just in case you live under a rock or you aren't a geek, um, open source is when uh, people release programs for computers, and they also give you kind of the, the code that makes up the program so you can see how it works and change things if you fun stuff. Yes, the source being the, the code and the openness being everybody can look at it, unlike the source code for Windows 7. Right. So uh, so what are some of your favorites? Well, I, 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 as you know, I, I've always been into open source stuff for a long time and whatever. But uh, there are some ones that uh, I, I really am a fan of. And I just want to caveat this with uh, a lot of times when people say, what are your favorite open source programs? They instantly think about things that run on Linux because Linux is kind of synonymous with open source. And it's like all these open source things, let's use this clone clone of a Microsoft program that runs on Linux. I did not go with that because there's a lot of great open source software that runs on Windows. And if you're not an open source purist, it's really the way to go. So a couple of my favorite ones are FileZilla, which is a uh, an FTP client, and even though that may just sound kind of dumb, that oh, an FTP client. If you're in, if you work with a lot of servers and you're transferring files around, you want this full featured FTP client that is pretty no nonsense. Uh, FileZilla is a great client, and it actually has a server that you can get to, which is also a great FTP server, and it's very easy to configure and uh, very secure. And uh, I'm a real big fan. Uh, cool. Um, I use a different FTP client, but I want to talk about it a little later. Okay, well, WS underscore FTP underscore LE. <laughs> uh, no. oh, good, because that's crap. Uh, so I think the biggest open source app right now is Firefox. Yes. So if you also don't live under a rock, you know that Firefox is a web browser. Um, it's kind of like Netscape eventually sucked. <laughs> And they somehow pulled the best parts out and made this new ultra-slim browser called Firefox, which is no longer quite so slim, um, which is why I love it. Um, but it's it's still really good, and it's a lot more secure. Internet Explorer, and it's got a huge market share. It's like in the 20s, I think, by 
even conservative estimates now, like 20% of users are using Firefox. So it's at least an alternative to the entrenched Internet Explorer. Exactly. You know, I would say that up until probably two or three months ago, Firefox was by far my favorite browser. Fantastically, it's it's fast, it's good, it's got good extensions and all that. But I'd say now, I like Chrome. That's what I use. Chrome is just like, I think, so much. it's not as full-featured as Firefox, but there's just some parts about it that make it awesome. But that's... So I, I can't switch to Chrome because it's not Firefox that has me hooked. It's that Firefox has this gigantic library of third-party add-ons for Firefox. Exactly. And so I, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch that I use. Okay. Um, and these are basically applications that run... They can be anything from you know, little enhancements to full applications that run basically using the browser as an operating system. Uh, so I use two for development called Web Developer, which is uh, just a great tool for inspecting and tweaking web pages. Uh, like you can see all your where all your blocks are and stuff like that, all your styles. Yep. I, I use Web Developer also. It's a great tool. Um, I use one called Firebug, which is a full-on uh, JavaScript debugger uh, for Firefox. So I don't I don't even know how I ever developed JavaScript without it. Cool. Um, I use a couple of applications, Twitter Fox. I use that too. Uh, and fo- Twitter Fox is the only tool I use to Twitter <coughs> if I have access to it. Um, and I use an FTP client called Fire FTP. That's a full FTP client that runs in Firefox. Um, so that's my favorite. Cool. Um, and then I use two called Adblock Plus and Flashblock, which means the web is a lot less flickery and loud and annoying to me. Cool. Oh, the Adblock, I see. We'll block ads. Yeah, I got to check that out. That sounds good. One, one thing I do have to warn our listeners is that if you find fall in love with a whole bunch of uh, Firefox add-ins and you know every day you find a new one, what's going to happen is Firefox is going to take a lot longer to start up. That, and that's kind of one of the things I that has happened to me is I've loaded in a lot of add-ins and then what happens is that then I get annoyed because it takes 30 seconds for Firefox to start up. Then I go uninstall a bunch of them. So, right. Oh, and I have a new one that, um, I didn't even, I'm not even going to write this in the show notes. This is going to be an Easter egg for people who actually listen. Um, so here, I've got a question for you. Okay. When you Google something like just generically thinking when you Google a term, if, there's one website that you go to from the results more often than any other. What website is that? Wikipedia. So I have a Firefox add-on called Googlepedia yeah. that just automatically brings up the Wikipedia page in the, uh, for whatever you Googled on the right side of your screen. Cool. Uh, and it's just a fantastic uh, add-on because they're right. 90% of the time that I Google a random term, I'm going to end up on Wikipedia anyway. So let's just cut to the chase. It's true. Oh, so I've got another good one that I, I use sometimes. It's a tiny URL creator where you can right click on a link and create a tiny URL and copy it to the clipboard. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is. And if for anybody that doesn't know, a tiny URL is just a way it's like a random string of characters that is like a hash of your uh, what thing, so you can fit a, take a long URL and kind of squish it down into something smaller. Yeah, I want to say a tiny URL is like fifteen characters or twenty five characters. It's a lot smaller. It, it, well, the the it's like http colon slash slash tinyurl dot com slash, and there's five characters after that. Yeah, it's pretty. Good. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we, we, we've been loving on Firefox. We, we lo- we're we're, we're Firefox fanboys, I think. So, all right. Here's another one I like. Thunderbird. 
I have to say, we have another question about Thunderbird, so we won't talk about it too much. But Thunderbird is the Mozilla Foundation's, or Mozilla Organization's, uh, their mail client. And Have they end of life? Yeah. No, they haven't. They're still working on another version, actually. Uh, I, and they need to do something, because I, I, I like it. I use it because it has good IMAP support, good POP support. It's like a pretty basic, uh, it, it's a pretty basic, email client and i i've never and i have like no problems with it it's not great it's not bad but it, it is good if you don't want to use something like outlook it's really the only kind of re- really good uh alternative i've found and you can uh, it also has some add-ins and so forth but it just doesn't get the attention it needs and i have to tell you the like the address book editor is abysmal it's horrible it's crap it sucks it, it's it's totally outside the paradigm of it. It needs to be fixed, and I hope that they improve that in the next version. But anyway, but it's a, but it's a good mail, mail client. Just I, I don't like it for that. So if you have Gmail, you use your Gmail with uh, IMAP. It, it's fantastic because it just it makes it so you're not on the web. You're just running something in the background. It's fast. It's good. You'll love it. That's also pretty good uh, with Outlook. I, I've got. But say. you don't have to buy Thunderbird. That's true. All right, so another program I use, and I use it less than I used to. And Thunderbird's to. open source. Okay, oh. there we go. That's right. So uh, there's an open source program called The GIMP, which I use not just for its name, um, but it's a pretty full-featured image editor. Um, I'd say it's close to, like, Photoshop 7 in terms of features. What, um, what version probably, are we on now? Defi- uh, CS4, so that's like four versions. I think seven was the last numbered version, then they went to CS. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's, so it's like equivalent to maybe an eight-year-old version of Photoshop, which for free software really isn't bad, um, except I never liked the interface very much. And it's kind of fallen into disuse, and I'm not going to give away which, but it's I use one of your favorite open source apps a lot more often now. Oh, the the other one on that line? Yeah, yes. yes. I, I'll, I'll say that. Paint.net, it's a paint kind of enhancement uh, like a it's a image editor very lightweight but it also has some advanced features such as layers and uh you can and actually you can do uh extensions for it and everything so and it's all written using the microsoft.net framework so if you need to do some like heavy duty image manipulation i would recommend the gimp i actually use the gimp also because you know i, I don't I would never get Photoshop, so it's nice to do uh, the GIMP. Uh, Paint.net is good if you just need to do some like little easy stuff. So I like that. You know, it's nice. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I use Paint.net really heavily. I use it at work because um, I just don't really need a – well, I can't draw at all, so I don't need a real image editor. Um, Paint.net does a lot of the basics really well. Yeah, I, sometimes I find that the GIMP is, just makes things too complicated, and Paint.net is a little simpler to use. I actually used it today for something. So, oh great! All right, so uh, I use a well. I, I've got to give a shout out to three programs that we use for Tweaking Geek: um, WordPress, which is a blog software; uh, PodPress, which is an extension for WordPress that makes it easy to set up a podcast. Um, and a program called Lame, which is a music encoding uh, software, and they say lame, it, that actually stands for Lame Ain't an MP3 Encoder, 
and they're technically right. It could be used for all sorts of encoding. It's just that everyone does use it for MP3. Yes. So, um, and and they're all really great. Uh, they're possibly best of breed software for what they do. It should actually, especially Word. Yeah, it it should be actually called Linome. Lame is not <laughs> only an MP3 encoder. That's just not as catchy. Yeah, or actually, stand for Linome is not actually or not only an MP3 encoder. Well, no, that's good. Yeah, we use those, and those are great. Uh, WordPress is a fantastic uh, phenomenon, I would say, because it just it's caught on, and it's uh, probably the most popular blogging system out there. There are so many add-ons for uh, WordPress that I think you could run all manner of small websites entirely on WordPress. Yes. Uh, it's verging on being a content management system, like full-blown. Yep, and it's good. I've done a little bit with it. It's pretty easy to manage skins and that sort of thing, too. So it's really very – it's easy to use, but it's still very powerful and extensible. And So another web thing that they have that I'll just want to give a quick mention to is this thing called .NET Nuke, which is uh, what a lot of uh, kind of websites would be on, where you can kind of self-manage it. It's – something where you can uh it's what they call like a content management system it's more than like a blog it's you can make a full website uh you can drag and drop things like uh text and pictures and that sort of thing and it's very and you you can set up like commerce and subscriptions very easily yeah and it's very like end user focused so uh it just it's something very good and it is also uh an open source project, .NET Nuke. And I think, I'm not sure which, there's also one called PHP Nuke, and I'm not sure who copied who. I believe PHP Nuke was first. Okay, so .NET Nuke is very powerful, and it's, you know, there are entire businesses, you know, that all they do is create modules for .NET Nuke. It's it's extremely popular, so. Cool. It is, and it's very good. I used to use it myself, so. Cool, and my favorite open source software of all time is called download pictures of Pat's mom.com. Wow. That's not open source. That's true. It, it, it's more of like it's that, that would be definitely crapware. All right. So, so what is your favorite? Uh, my favorite ever of all time, uh, probably of all of these, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Firefox. I just really like it. So there's, there's one more that I use a lot uh, lately and that's called eclipse. Mm. So that's a, a software development uh, called integrated development environment. So it ties like editing your code and debugging it and doing some visual layout and design and all that into one piece of software. Yep. And I used to hate this software because it's written in Java and Java used to be slow. Like all the jokes you hear about how slow Java is are out of date because it's really not like that anymore. Right. Um, Eclipse is still a little bit heavy. It does a lot. Um, and I've actually started using it a lot because I've been tinkering with Flex, uh, which is kind of an application developer version of Flash. Um, and that's actually a, just a customized version of Eclipse. Huh. Um, so it's, it's pretty good software. I mean, it's, it's huge. And it, it's really on par with professional software development tools huh. that you'd have to like pay for. Nice. Well, yeah, I've heard – I've used Eclipse a long time ago when I was actually in school. I used it for some Java programming. And uh, it seemed to be fine, you know. It 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 had its it had its moments. So uh, I haven't used it recently, so I'm sure it's still pretty good. So I've heard lots of good things about it. They have ver- all right. They have versions for like pretty much every single operating system you can think of too. So that's good. 
Cool. Do we have any other uh, open source that we like? Um, I'm sure there are other ones out there. You know, if you, I have a uh, installation of Ubuntu on one of my computers, and it's full of software that is cool. And I haven't even looked at half of it. But you know, th- there's just like so many things out there that uh, run off Windows and on you know on Linux and other operating systems that I don't even know as if we, we could do a whole show just devoted to those. So. We could. So uh, I think we had a couple others we were going to talk about, but this segment's running long. Um, so we'll leave those – we'll at least leave the links to them in our show notes, I think. Yeah, they're cool things, but it's just you know stuff that are maybe a little bit more specialized that not all of our listeners would find interesting. Cool. All right, so what else did Shades want to talk about? He also wanted to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly – of social networking, things having to do with like defriending and all that stuff. Uh, that's a repeat. We already did that. Talk. There's some pretty cool stuff that we didn't talk about, though. Okay, so let's let's pick one thing. All right, one thing. What did we not talk about? I th- or two. Things. I think every a couple things. Well, I think everybody's favorite like defriending story lately is the Whopper sacrifice. So I want to give a little background on this. Burger King hired this like brilliant marketing corporation this last year called Crispin Porter. And they've done a bunch of the strangest but really funny um, ad campaigns. They had a cologne that smells like uh, grilled burgers. They had uh, Whopper virgins. So they got people from like third world nations who'd never had Whoppers and gave them Whoppers and filmed their reactions. <laughs> um, gosh, what else? They, they've done so many things. They, they had a guy in a chicken suit who filmed like dozens and dozens and dozens of actions and you would like type to him on a flash movie and if it could figure out what you were asking it to do it would do it and i mean it's like jump on the couch dance around i mean it was hilarious cool um so tell us about the whopper sacrifice well the whopper sacrifice was an incentive that burger king put out there and I believe it was an application, like a Facebook application that you actually had to install. And you had to defriend a certain number of people. And if you did so, th- ten. Oh, 10 people, you would get like a coupon for a free Whopper. Perfect. And you could immediately refriend them, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't like you had to kill them. You know, you just – you have to defriend them and you can refriend them. And right. so, Pat, I think you're, you're, you seem to know a lot about what actually happened with this. I just – and I'm just going to – Read one byline, and you get to explain all about this. If you go to the okay. to the uh, Whopper sacrifice uh, application on Facebook, it says, "quote Facebook has disabled the Whopper sacrifice after your love for the Whopper sandwich proved to be stronger than two hundred thirty three thousand nine hundred six friendships." End quote. So first of all, that's sad because it's not a multiple of ten. So there are people in there who didn't even get their free Whopper, or maybe they got they got their free Whopper and decided then that. This whole like unfriending people is addictive, so they just kept unfriending people. So a lot of people speculated, uh, you know, this was going to get in trouble, and Facebook was like, "Wow, we totally don't want you defriending people because that's exactly not the point of Facebook." Um, but that's not why they killed Whopper Sacrifice. So the reason they shut it down is that when you defriended someone via Whopper Sacrifice, it sent them a message telling them they'd been sacrificed. Yeah. And that that is against Facebook's privacy policy. You can't inform a user when they're defriended. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, I've heard that actually. Okay, so so that's the real reason that they shut it down. But the whole thing was just—I mean, I don't think they ever expected it to last that long. It was just brilliant rogue marketing that everybody knew about. 
They're saying that Facebook is a great marketing tool. And we don't want to talk about this a whole lot because, you know, because it sucks and nobody's joining our Facebook group. (laughs) Well, maybe we just need to hire a, a brilliant marketing firm. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's just something to think about, I guess, is that a lot of people swear that it is like the best marketing tool that has ever been invented. And some people are are saying, you know, like you can look at the success of something like the Whopper sacrifice and say, see, this is proof. But I'm just not sure that it, it, I think it's one of those things where the hype probably is bigger than the reality. And the Whopper sacrifice is probably more of an anomaly than the actual kind of common everyday thing. That could be. That that was just my thought on that. So I actually had a conversation with someone about that the other day, and I'm convinced that I'm right. So, well, you often are. And and my 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 ideas are always on always on the fringe of of good taste and logic. So, is that a segue? <laughs> it certainly is. All right. So Shades also wanted to know about what will we think about Fringe. Um, I haven't watched it. I guess what I want to know is why isn't it called The X-Files? You know, I think that might have been taken. Oh. So, yeah, I have no opinion. Uh, I haven't watched it either, but I've heard uh, really good things about it. Uh, you know, th- there's – there's, I- I've heard it being – I've heard that it has been compared to The X-Files and uh, that they say if you're into science fiction and kind of – you know, mystery drama sort of thing that you'll probably like it. So I, I think our job should be to uh, go visit our favorite website, Hulu.com. And, our favorite? Uh, yes. Our favorite website is TweakingGeek.com. <laughs> yeah, t- Hulu's pretty awesome, though. Uh, you have to admit, Hulu has the best commercials of all time where they're the, slow. I love their commercial with the rotting brains. Yeah, and they're like, their, their logo is, you know, a clever plot to destroy the world. You know, enjoy. Um, I've never been, I've never used Hulu at all. Oh my god! I'm a Sh- terrible person. You are a terrible person. You're a very bad person, Pat. Hulu is it, it's actually degrading a little bit. Uh, it, a lot of people it was it showed up because uh, NBC left iTunes and so they started showing all their stuff online and everyone's like, oh, this is dumb. But it, it actually turned out to be extremely popular. But now they're doing this thing where they're taking like older shows off. And, you know, so you'll have, like, you'll want to go watch The Office, but they only have the last three episodes on there. And uh, then they they kind of tout all these, like, clips. It's like, oh, these are the most popular clips. And, frankly, like, the real, like, reality of it is who's going to watch a frigging clip? You know, oh, I'm going to go to Hulu.com so I can watch a clip of The Office rather than the whole episode, so. But there are a lot of shows they do carry, like, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think, is on Hulu. Yeah, Arrested Development. Yep. Uh, a lot of them, but like the the kind of the newer shows, and I think it's really because uh, they're bit, now that they're back on iTunes, they probably have some kind of conflicting interests. So I don't know, but anyway, so so shades, thanks a lot for all of your uh, input. There was a few other things that I think we might actually uh, sneak into some other shows, but we just wanted to kind of get to a couple of other listener uh, uh, ideas. So thanks thanks for all of your questions. All right. So, uh, what's next? Next is a a uh, message or a, a suggestion from our very very devoted listener, BC Rem, and BC Rem. That's how you pronounce it. Oh no, B Krem. Like, is it Bikram? Bikram? I don't know. <laughs> Bike Reem. 
Bike Ream. All right, Bike Ream. What did Bike Ream ask? <laughs> Bike Ream asks, is Linux killing Microsoft? Really? Yes. Seriously? And he did. And so let me, add, let me give you the background for this. Uh, he also sent us a link to uh, this great uh, article. Uh, it was an interview with uh, Jim Zemlin, who's the Linux Foundation director. I bet and this is a really unbiased interview. <laughs> it is. And m- what happened is that Microsoft had to lay off uh, – I can't remember – it was like 5,000 people. Yeah, yeah it was – right, 5,000 By the people. way, these are the first layoffs in the history of Microsoft, I, I believe. Okay, and so it was a big deal, so 5,000 people. I'm not sure how many people worked from, for Microsoft, but I would say it's probably up in the 30,000 range. Do you think that's yeah. reasonable? Um, I don't know. I bet I, you it's more. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. So this wasn't like they laid off most of their workforce. They had a layoff uh, – and if you look at the article, it basically said the, the layoff layoffs reason was kind of because Microsoft is refocusing a little bit on some web strategies and so forth. And when you change some of your business uh, business model, you're obviously going to have to kind of cut jobs here, add jobs there, you know, whatever. Oh, and uh, according to WikiAnswers.com, as of May 31st, Microsoft employed 89,809 workers. Okay, so – so that's you know upwards of six or seven percent. That's that's a pretty typical layoff in tech these days. So right. it's been a really bad year. And uh, that for once, I'm actually not trying to be funny. Like it, it really sucks, and people are getting laid off all over the place. Exactly. And, and the and the guy being interviewed here also conveyed that he wasn't like, "Ha ha, screw you, Microsoft." He said, "Yeah, this good people lost their jobs." Yeah. So and so we are are thoughts and concerns are out there with all you people who are laid off. But so, anyway, back to the On issue. the question, is Linux killing Microsoft? Can I just answer like no? Yeah, I would have, I I mean, would have to go with you. So here's what, bo- here's what bothers me about these questions. I've been hearing these questions for a decade now. Linux has never and will never defeat Microsoft because they're not playing on the same field. Exactly. Windows doesn't win because it's a better product. Windows wins because everybody has Office, and it's just so entrenched that Windows is a natural fit. Yep. And I mean, it's a crappy answer, right? But it's the truth. It's uh, there's no there's no way I can conceive of that a technologically superior product that's I mean as difficult to use as Linux is, which it's far. I mean two or three orders of magnitude better than when I started, but it's, it's harder than windows period. Well, my thoughts with this are, you know, I used to be a, a real, uh, windows hater. I hated Microsoft, everything about it. You remember, I pretty much, you couldn't say anything that would make me think that they weren't pure evil. And now I'm mostly a Microsoft developer. And what I've learned is that it's kind of a necessary evil. It's by, Doing things with you know on the Windows platform, you're not drinking the Kool Aid, so to speak. What you're doing is you're going on something that has big market share and is, you know, regardless of what people say, Windows is a pretty good product. Yeah, I mean, people talk like it has hundreds of thousands of known bugs. Like, yes, but many of those known bugs are like if you have a compact PRXQ with a specific video card installed and you jump on it the third time you win solitaire 
the screen flickers blue for 1.2 milliseconds. <laughs> yeah, and that's not even a joke. I mean, well, that may be a joke, that, but it's not an exaggeration. Let, let me clarify that was a joke. Right, but but it's the types of bugs are some of them are like that. It's like you know the title bar of this window is green if you press this button. So I'm going to use a quote that I use all the time, and it's pro- I probably overuse it, but I, I still this really guides me. I no longer have a Linux computer, and I did run Linux for probably six years uh, on one of my computers, um, one of my primary desktop computers. Um, so Linux is free if your time has no value. Because it, huh. it really, I mean, it's far better than it used to be, but it really takes some knowledge and some care. And, you know, Windows doesn't. You install it, and every once in a while you click the little yellow shield that says you have new stuff to install. Right. Now, um, now Linux has gotten there largely. Um, yep. I've had a lot of ambitious projects. That's probably why I'm a little sour on it, um, and I don't even think it was Linux's fault. Uh, but... I also used to run it when I had like marginal computers and I was really poor and every percent performance I could get out of it was a big deal. And I haven't seen a computer that's really performance bound in years. Exactly. Well, I'm like you. I I used to only run uh, Linux at home. I had a computer that was all Linux and every once in a while I would run Windows 98 in a virtual machine out, out of like bare necessity. And do you know what made me kind of like drink the Kool-Aid and change was that Linux is kind of a moving target. If you have a piece of software that you really like in a certain uh, distribution of Linux, you know, it uses certain libraries and so forth. Sometimes it's not going to be able, you're not going to be able to upgrade to a new one and get like keep all the software, or you're not going to be able to be on your version of Linux and upgrade your software because it needs other libraries that aren't there. And it just became this big pain in the butt to, to keep up, upgraded. And Windows is a uniform platform. And now with the .NET framework, it's even better. Because now it's basically like a virtual machine, Java virtual machine, but Microsoft, that you can just you know deploy anywhere and it, and it runs. You don't have to worry about any of this like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm running... Microsoft Windows 4.7.2.9, but this only runs on 4.7.2.8 and 4.7.2.10. You know, we don't have to worry about that. It's not a moving target. Windows is a pretty constant thing. I think that is one of the big uh, powers that people don't really ever talk about. So is Linux killing Microsoft? No. Is Microsoft losing a little bit of ground? Yeah. Um, But I think... Mac and OS X are killing it more. Yeah, I think you're right. You and know, nobody's killing it. I mean, Mac and OS X are encroaching on some market share, which is good for everyone. Competition's healthy. True. And, and so this person on uh, this interview posits that you know hardware makers are seeing uh, Linux as a alternative to you know for kind of like low lightweight hardware uh, seeing linux as an alternative to running windows and i would say that would be a potential for instance these netbooks that we talked about let's run linux on it you know let's offer linux rather than windows you only have a few issues there it's going to be hard to get people to adopt that because people are going to want windows and even even if linux might actually be superior and for when I would say, and Microsoft's licensing policies are very aggressive to get to woo these, you know, OEMs. Yeah, and that—that's a really good point. 
And, and the fact of the matter is, is that Linux will always be around, and it's going to have you know a kind of mainstream adapt- adoption is probably not going to happen, and it's probably gone to the point where it's going to go. You know, it's it's pretty popular in some servers and uh, in the kind of the highbrow tech market. But it's really it's really not for grandma's OS, right? And no matter how much you simplify it, it's still complicated. And it's not bad; it's a great operating system. It just is what it is. Yep. All right. So, so let's. Uh, we've got one more question. I think. Yeah, so, but first, I want to thank oh, Bike Ream for uh, for uh, sending in his suggestion. And thank you very much. I just want to make sure we thank everybody because uh, we really appreciate their uh, their continued. Uh, what do you call it? participation? That's it. Okay. Okay. Now, now we can move on. You're, you're. Craig's the one who appreciates you, by the way. Yeah, I think you're all dirty, filthy. No, actually, I think you're awesome. Yay! I couldn't really come <laughs> for the punchline. <laughs> nice backpedal there. This, this is definitely going to be the episode of failed jokes. So. Yeah. So uh, our last, our last uh, question was from our occasional guest and frequent listener, uh, the Swindler. Yes. And I, before we play his voice, I'm going to say he asked me to edit his voicemail um, because he said, like, hey, man, because he was just thinking of talking to one of us and forgot that there were more than one. And he asked us to edit it. And I think that would have been a really nice thing to do, but I don't feel like doing it. So I'd like we, to- we intend it, everyone, just like when he says, hey, man, think he said, like, hey, guys, in your head. Well, I, I want to offer a, an alternate that when he said, hey, man, he meant man isn't mankind. He's talking to the world. That could be it. So wh- whatever alternative makes this work for you, please mentally edit the voicemail you're about to hear. That's right. Hey, guys, it's Mike Swindler. Uh, I have a submission for your all-listener podcast coming up here. Um, I recently downloaded Mozilla's Thunderbird email client. And uh, when I opened it up and put in my email accounts, I liked the layout and everything so much, I immediately uninstalled Outlook, which I had been using previously. Um, I liked how much quicker Thunderbird downloaded mail and, and how much quicker it updated my IMAP accounts. Uh, but then I actually went to send a message, which was reply, and I found that I didn't really like the, the composing window. And I was just wondering if you guys had any tips and tricks on using that particular client, and if not, Tell us what you guys use and, and why you like that. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Bye. So Thunderbird. Uh, Thunderbird comes back. You did say we were going to talk about it again. You're doing I a good did. job adding interstitial bonds to this show. That's really cool. That's right. Let's just say that the the topics here are the hydrogen to my palladium. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't really have a lot of tips. I use Thunderbird. Um, for one of my email addresses, but I, I don't know. Uh, I used to love its junk mail filter, but those spammers are getting better and better at breaking Bayesian filters. Um, so it's like the best I've seen, but you have to care for it constantly or it starts getting broken through again. That's a good point. You know, I haven't had to deal with the junk mail filter in a long time because I use almost exclusively Gmail and Gmail Gmail's junk filter is, you know, out of this world. So I, I don't even ever see any junk. I don't think I can't remember the last time I saw a junk mail in my uh, inbox. Wow, um, I have like, so I have fifty-one new messages and just eyeballing them, uh, like forty of them are spam. 
Wow. No, I, I don't get any spam. So I, I figured it all gets skimmed off by Gmail. Or maybe I'm just lucky. Um, Gmail does a very good job. All right. Well, it, it does. I love Gmail. It's my favorite. Yo, yo, Gmail. Okay. So, but uh, Mike has actually asked a specific question about, like, kind of tips and tricks about uh, making your Thunderbird editing experience better. Because he said basically he likes likes it, but the editing is kind of eh. And, you know, and I can understand that. Although I have to say, this kind of reminds me of the first time I ever used Outlook. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But it uses Word as its default editor, so you basically get this kind of Word thing. And I'm like, I just want, like, a plain old email client. I don't want to be using Microsoft Word. And it took me forever to figure out how to turn that off. So I just think it's kind of funny that, you know, Mike is kind of asking the opposite. Like, how do I put something else in place of it, not just use the kind of the vanilla editor? Okay, so well, that's a great question. It, it is a great question, and I have an answer. It's kind of an answer. Uh, so I found an extension for it called dun, 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 External Editor. Wow, what does that do? <laughs> well, it allows you to use your or another program besides the Thunderbird editor to edit your emails. And it's it's kind of weird if you use it. It's a little clunky. But, you know, you basically, you compose, what you do is you compose an email, you, you know, hit like, you know, write email. And then you, when you get there, rather than typing in stuff, you click uh, external editor and it's going to launch your program that you specified. I, I tried it with context, which is like this text editor and it worked perfectly. And it'll just, it basically will uh, kind of populate some stuff into your editor and you type in whatever and then you hit save, and it saves it as like this little temp file, and it saves it back to your uh, what you know, to Thunderbird, and then you can just send it right from there. So you kind of buy you you still have the et- ex- the internal editor, but you just don't use it, and you'll yeah. use your other one. So I, I haven't tried it with like Microsoft Word or. Uh, or anything like that, but I have a feeling it's probably pretty good. I think it's mostly for kind of getting good HTML editing. So I, I encourage Mike to kind of spend some time with that and see if that meets his needs because I thought it was pretty cool. I don't personally think I would probably end up using it but because uh, it just seems like a little much, but I guess it depends on what kind of emails you're sending. Most of my emails are just uh, plain text solicitations to uh, filthy prostitutes. So I guess there's really not a lot of HTML needed. No, no. Wow. I'm <laughs> horrified at that thought. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could horrify you. I'm glad you could take this conversation to the next level. <laughs> I totally so uh, external editor is our tip. External editor. So I think that... By uh, ours, I mean you did all the research and found it, and I'm happy to chime in and say, sounds great. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> so, Pat, just kind of in retrospect, so here we are. At the end of episode number 24. Wow. It feels like a million. Yeah, it, it, it really does. So, uh, you know, we've been doing this probably, you know, a year and a half. And so we're pretty, it's pretty exciting. So I think this, this uh, episode is setting us on, like, a new customer-oriented focus of our t- podcast. Wow. Can, you're using buzzwords at me. Yeah, I am. Well, no, I just think it's good. This is, I think this is a... A hallmark for us, or a, a ben- benchmark? No, it's not a benchmark. A hallmark. It's a a 
something way to kill the moment i'm, tra- I'm trying to think i can't think of the word it's like it, it is a significant event in the life it's of a landmark it's, it's a, a land- milestone milestone yes that that was a, a landmark milestone uh so i just hope that uh you know after listening to this our uh, you know our listeners can see how much we appreciate you and would love you to get involved even more and we'd love to any time that you want us to talk about something on tweaking geek just drop us a line you know at our email address which is tg at tweakinggeek.com or you can call us at uh i can't remember the phone number isn't that terrible oh that's i know awful. i'm always the one who remembers it too uh six seven eight six seven eight nine 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 six three two one I couldn't, there you go. I couldn't remember the area code. Thank you. You just you only remember the area code because it's your old area code. So, um, no, it was never my area code. I still have a I still have a main area code. Oh, that's right. Huh? I'm one of those cell phone people. Oh, that's right. So yeah, we we do appreciate our listeners. In fact, if you're near another one of our listeners, go give him or her a hug from us. Exactly. So uh, you know, we'd love you to comment on our blog. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, leave it, you know. Leave us a voicemail. Send us an email, and we'll we will uh, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, uh, tweet at us on Twitter. We're Tweaking Geek there. Yeah. Uh, come check out our Facebook group, Tweaking Geek. Yeah, and invite all your friends to be in Tweaking Geek. Yeah, go to Craig's house, and he'll be happy to feed you. That's right. Feed you to the lion <laughs> if you're an orphan. <laughs> oh yeah oh we we almost we, met an entire episode without an orphan crack we can't let those orphans get off easy that's right yeah so <laughs> okay that's good i was just thinking that we're going to, how many more episodes will it be until we talk about <laughs> beating off more coyotes <laughs> and on that note actually i have one thing i wanted to cl- <clears throat> wanted to close with um and that is Really excited, an email that came in from our listener, Lori. Um, They're releasing a version of the Oregon Trail for the iPhone this week. Awesome. So I can't wait because I played the living crap out of that game, as far, which gave me a picture of the Old West being like a land where wagon wheels are made out of balsa wood and every daughter has dysentery and dies. <laughs> so that, I think that's what the West was like, and I, I can't wait to relive those days. Oh, uh- that sounds awesome. I, you know, I never played Oregon Trail when I was younger, so uh, I I might have to get it. Is it going to be a pay or free? Um, it's going to be pay. I want to say it's like $5. Well, if it's that awesome, I may have to actually purchase that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this release. Excellent. All right, not on that uplifting note. Thank you for listening. Bye now. All right. Uh, say all right. Make your elephant noise just for posterity. No, I'm not doing it. Do it. Nope. I'll kill you. No, it. No elephant. Um. Make make a squirrel noise. A dying squirrel. No, you're not getting it. Come on. Look, I took a crack at the orphans for you. Okay. All right. Uh, then then you know what? I, I, maybe I'll do a. I, I'm gonna do a, an imitation of a dying elephant. All right, go for it. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that sounds more like a dying Wario. <laughs> Wah-ha-ha, Waluigi. <laughs> <laughs>